Welcome back to the League Stage look at round 20 of the NRL season. My name is AJ Luke Antonio, working with League Unlimited and Stats Before. Joining us as always, the man with the news headlines, 2SM Cadet Journal, Reese Sullivan. Hello, my friend. Uh, hello, Mr. AJ. Well, solid, solid week of NRL football. Um, I will have to pick you up on something, though. It is round 21, not round 20. See, I'm stuck in I'm stuck in the world. Round 21. I'm, I'm glad you picked me up on it, let me tell you. So, we're going to go through everything it is. Of course, we also had the first round of the NRLW this week, and as well as round 21 of the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup. The Queensland Cup broke for a bye this week. Before we get into our round review, I do want to say a massive thank you to everyone at the bottom of my heart for listening to the interview we put up last week with NRL legend Ian Roberts. Again, as I said with Mossy Masui, I am so overwhelmed with all the positive reviews, all the positive feedback. We're just at the start of something here, mate, and I'm really excited with our forward trajectory here. Yeah, 100%. And um, I touched on it uh, Tuesday when it released, but I'll say it here too. You did an excellent job with the interview. Like the questions you asked, I think you perfectly managed to over the line between getting, you know, getting the inside knowledge of his actual footy career while also being able to uncover that story of what makes him such a unique member of the rugby league community. So excellent work, AJ. You really, really did well on that one. Yeah, 100% mate. And again, I really wanted to let him be the story. I didn't want to take the story from myself. So that was a real important thing that I really wanted to do with this interview. So let's yeah. get into this week of rugby league. Thursday night kicked off with 16th playing 17th. And it is a tank bowl, but out of the ordinary, this tank bowl this week, it is what we call a super tank bowl, isn't it, Reese? Yeah, it's like the super bowl for the sickos community. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I remembered, Race. <laughs> It felt like that, didn't it? it? It really did. It was one of the worst games of football I have sat through in the stats office this year. It has been woeful to watch. And trust me, the Tigers can feel a touch unlucky about the way they played. I thought they were really free-flowing style of play. They did really well. But again, the Dragons just came up big in those key moments. I think the Dragons really put themselves in that position to win, even though the Tigers did retake the lead to start the half time. The Dragons, you know, had that advantage, and all they had to do was score that one try, which they did. So, you know, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, it's obviously for the, from a Dragons' perspective, they, they had the chance to avoid the wooden spoon, they have taken the most of that chance. Uh, from the Tigers' perspective, it, it has to hurt lose a game like that. It does have to hurt. And I guess for the Tigers, I look at Junior Tupo, four line breaks, 17 runs, 221 metres. I really think Dane Laurie uh, has earned his sixth jumper for the year. I know he's going next year, but two line break assists to line break of his own. That really allowed Jareen Buller just to play his natural game out of the fullback position. And he looked more comfortable than what we've seen in recent weeks. But again, just those final plays leaving a lot to be desired for the men from the western suburbs of Sydney. Uh, for the Dragons, Lomax was great. I fought 30 runs, 224 metres. Blake Laurie and Francis Molo really big up front. Uh, but 
Michaeli Ravawala had one of those mixed bag sort of games, didn't he? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. One of those games we've come to expect from Michaeli. Almost the Valdivay-esque type of game. Uh, just rocks or diamonds. And, you know, sometimes it's rocks, sometimes it's diamonds, sometimes it's even both. Uh, this is one of the games where it was both. Had, had some good moments, had some really, really bad moments. But overall, I think it ended up being probably about net neutral. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's definitely some checks and balances there, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So that's, I guess, from a Dragon's perspective, you can sort of live with that in a way because on the games where he does, you know, he is in that good form, we both know just how damaging he could be. Yeah, and I think Dan Russell, first starting game, I thought he handled himself quite well on the edge defensively. Uh, Billy Burns is good as well on that edge spot for the Dragons. Uh, anything else you want to touch on on this uh, battle for the Spoon? No, let's please get out of here as soon as possible. Um, but I will, we will quickly, the Tigers signing the Fire New Twins. Ah, um, yes. Yeah, uh, well, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts on that? I, it's always risky to sign potential. Incredibly risky to sign, especially untapped potential in the form of Latu in particular. But I look at someone like a Samuela who's proven himself at NRL level this year. I think he has. It's safe to be said. But I think with Latu, it's always an untapped risk. With... um. We've seen in the past where it's failed. You look at a Carl Filiger, you look at others out there. I tend to think that uh, it is a risk-reward thing. And at the end of the day, Latu has looked good in games this year. He's looked good in under-19's uh, origin. He's looked good in New South Wales Cup. So the potential is definitely there. I just don't. I just hope that put together with Aiden Caesar next year, it's not a disaster. I really hope... For the Tigers' sake, something pans out. Their fans deserve a lot better. Yeah, uh, I'll just touch on one thing quickly because I think you really hit the nail on the head with the idea of you know the risk reward of the Tigers here. But I just want to touch on the fact that it was Kanu's manager in that meeting with Lee Hadjipantelis last mm-hmm. week. Obviously, whatever Hadjipantelis said in that meeting. The agents are buying into it because not only have they secured the signings of the two finals, they've also secured an extension of Apisai Coruscant. So it's clear to me that the player managers and the people in charge of deciding the players' careers do see the path that the Tigers are going down, and they do think it's a path that will ultimately lead in some you know, success, whether that's a premiership, whether that's finals run, we, we obviously don't know yet. But they're buying into it. So I think from a Tigers fan's perspective, you should be over the moon with the business the club's done this week, even if the results dictate it's probably going to be a back-to-back very soon. Yeah, 100% my friend Omundo. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Warriors 21, Raiders 20. This was a game that I was doing the updates for League Unlimited, a rare update for me this year with League Unlimited due to my work with the NRL, but I love the opportunity when I get to kind of return to my roots of writing my reports. Um, really good signs for the Warriors as far as resilience because that was a really good test as far as mentality goes. They conceded two tries in the space of a minute, uh, but they were able to hold their nerve, force a mistake from Canberra Golden Point when Fogarty knocked the kick too far. And they went up the field and had some really good carries and allowed Sean Johnson to continue probably the greatest career renaissance in NRL history. <laughs> and all wrong than that, and that's always been one of the Achilles' heels for the Warriors. Just you know their resilience. They get uh, they start getting a run, and they have issues with it. That's something we've seen from the Warriors for so many years, especially in the last few when they haven't mm-hmm. had as good teams, when they've been coached by guys like Kearney, Brown, etc. Um, but whatever Andrew Webster's done with this side, he has 
built them into an absolute machine. Runaway like, coach of the year? Runaway coach of the year by far. I think it's pretty clear that you have the Broncos and the Panthers obviously at the top, but then the Warriors are right now that clear-cut third-best team in the competition. And yeah, I saw your... That's going to be there. I saw your tweet about there not being at any real things outside sec- the top two teams. The top two are clear. And then after that is this convoluted block of teams, which we'll touch yeah. on later because the ladder has got a lot of interesting reading this week. But- 100%. Uh, but I do think the Warriors are ahead now in that convoluted. They're ahead of those guys like the Melbourne Storm, those guys like the Canberra Raiders, obviously, that's when goes a long way to proving that. Also, your South Sydney's, your Knollers, your Parramatta's, your North Queensland's. I think it's clear to me that the Warriors are that third best team. Yeah, I tend to agree there. But I really, I, I did see something interesting this week. I was reading an uh, interview with Roger Tuavaza Shekin. He revealed that he's going to be playing centre next year for the Warriors. And I got the vibe out of both Adam Pompey and Rocco Berry that they were playing for their position. And both of them have been playing really well, so it's going to be an interesting decision. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be something that is going to be looked at all preseason. I don't think it's going to be a decision that's based off purely their performances for the rest of this year. Um, but, yeah, it does make sense for two of us to go straight back into centre. I think it's very similar to what happened to Valentine Holmes when he went and played uh, the season in the NFL come back to Australian and he's obviously bigger, so he goes into centre instead of going back to fullback. I think that's a similar situation here with Roger. Um, but, yeah, so Pompey, Herbert, ooh, who, would, who would you take right now if you had to make that call? It's hard. It's really yeah. hard. Like, I, I, I do not envy Andrew Webster having to make this call. They're both first-grade quality centres. That's the thing. Like, Rocco Berry's really proved himself this year, and Adam Pompey's always had potential, but he's just gone to another level this year. So I still think that this is one selection battle that won't be decided now. I think this is going to be one that's going to be hardly fought during preseason, and realistically, there's a lot on the table for Andrew Webster's side this year. But I think Fedua Blake, again, going to another level, Mitch Barnett and Dylan Walker providing that impact punch. Josh Curran, I thought, was also quite strong. But for the Raiders, for the Raiders, Jackie Whiten had one of those games, some good moments. But then he kicked a couple of balls out on the full, made three errors. It was just one of those unhappy uh, games for the Raiders, number six. Yeah, it's just, yeah, like I said, one of those Jack Whiten games. I think it's definitely one of those games that makes Raiders fans sort of sit there and think, you know, is, is it really a, such a big loss losing game? Obviously. He's such a talented player. But as much as he helped the Raiders be in a fight, and as much as he helped the Raiders go down to that final whistle, he just as much lost this game to Canberra. There's not really any way to escape that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Timoko, again, impressing. I think he's been one of the big improvers this year. Papali Ian Tarpany lifted quite strongly. Uh, Horsburgh, mammoth effort from him. 145 metres, 60 Tackles, but I will say that penalty he conceded again, another costly mistake there. He had that push where he shoved, uh, I think it was after the mistake from Hudson Young, and then Horsburgh gets up and pushes him, and then they can see two set restarts and DWZ crosses, and all of a sudden the game is very quickly almost out of your hands. Yep, exactly. It was just. You know, one of those horrible moments that make you scratch your head, isn't it? Like it he, is, but... I've, I've touched on a couple of times now. He's such a talented player, but he just has these brain farts, whether it's the lack of offensive consistency or just, you know, giving away cheap penalties. It mm-hmm. always feels like something's going to go wrong. Yeah, 100%, mate. And I think uh, Seb Chris at fullback, there's been a bit of talk about this. No penalty try, but I don't get what what pipe Ricky Stewart is smoking over in Auckland. I really don't get what pipe he's got. <laughs> like, seriously, there was... 
at best it was a love tap, and they were not going to penalise that direct, forceful nature as the bunker needs to do if it's missed by the on-field officials. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, it. I mean, look, I can understand that there is a consensus among uh, fans and I guess coaches as well that um, you know referees are calling everything this season. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Especially considering it's our boy Toddy Smith too. We are not going to stand here and take Todd Smith's slander from nobody. Well, well, you're not. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm not. Like, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big boy Toddy defender. Let me tell you. But um, again, for the Raiders, there's good signs here. They've got a really big game next Saturday afternoon down at home against the Newcastle Knights. That game is essentially almost a top four qualifier at this stage given their run in... Let's take a look at Canberra's run home, actually, because... Knights, Knights, have, Knights have a lot of work to do if they want to get to the top four, that's for sure. I mean, for, it's more a top, top four game for Canberra, but for the Knights, it's a game of paramount importance to yeah. get into the eight. Yeah. So their run home is Knights, Tigers, Storm, Dogs, Ray, uh, Broncos, Sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So realistically, they need to win this week and next, which they probably they'll win against the Tigers because it's the Tigers. But uh, they'll they should they could beat the Knights. The Knights just beat Melbourne, and they were pretty impressive after their early avalanches. We'll touch on later. Melbourne, they've been a bit of a mixed bag. The Dogs, well, they're in shambles. Brisbane. They beat them earlier in the year. That could be a really important game. And then they've got Cronulla, and Cronulla have been an absolute dog's breakfast all season. So we'll uh, see how I that will, one fares. I will just say, obviously, you're under the writing that the Raiders did beat the Broncos earlier this season. But yeah. from a Raiders, Raiders point of view, I don't want to be having my season decided by a match against the Broncos. That's for sure. 100%, my friend. Moving on, speaking of the Broncos, nice segue. Uh, Broncos 36, Rabbits 20. Well, this is one of the more craziest games I have ever seen this season. Like, we had so... It was so stop-start. 29 errors, 11 penalties, 9 set uh, set restarts, 2 Simbins. Marty Tapau is probably the luckiest bloke on the Sunshine Coast. But are you waving the panic and alarm bells for the boys from Redfern? Uh, I mean, I know the uh, point of view from a lot of South fans is that you can't judge this team until Latrell's back. But realistically, how much is Latrell changing? I don't know. Like, that's the scary thing, like... For all of Blake Taft's faults, he's not as bad as they're making out to be. Taft is not as bad as what they're making out to be. There's no doubt that with Trell coming back in, you're going to get heavier emphasis on quality touches in the red zone. I'm not doubting that for a second. However, what you are going to get is a heavier emphasis on guys like AJ, guys like whoever's going to play wing if Tyro Munro comes back in on that wing or not. Guys like Graham, guys like Tass to work out of yardage because Latrell doesn't have the balls to roll up the sleeves and really do anything. From there, it's just going to be really interesting. There's no doubt that that left edge absolutely clicks like that. The second Trell comes back in because of that combination with Walker and you can link up a little bit on that outside. There's no doubting that. Well, I mean, the problem I mean, is... One of, one of Brisbane's like, key focuses of the game plan was whenever that ball would shift left, rushing up on Cody Walker because there wasn't that second option. Walker couldn't get the ball out to tap and have him direct the play like he can with Latron Mitchell. So that played massively into Brisbane's favour. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. And I think that was one of the more poignant points of the night, that rushing up defence. After that first try, that whole defensive mindset set, sorry, shifted, and it was really good to see. Good to see uh, 
Cam Murray slowly come back to his best. He had 11 runs, uh, line break assist, uh, 48 tackles, two misses, five ineffective. He had a couple of offloads as well. Uh, no penalties, no errors in something that was very rare for a South Sydney point of view to have the misses uh, in that regard. But we're touching on Cody Walker, a penalty, a ruck infringement, caught inside the 10, four errors. Yeah, a few of those errors were caused by the Broncos' aggressive defence towards him. So you can't excuse a couple of them. But overall, it, he just looked a little bit overstimulated, is what I'd put, is what I'd call it. Like, Fair enough. Like, Fair it enough. felt like he just had so many different looks in the game, so many different reads to make, that he sort of just, you know got his signals mixed up and ended up making the wrong reads a fair bit. Yeah, 100%. Uh, anything else on the Redfern Warriors? Um, no, not really. Okay, on, this, on the Broncos, uh, keep it within here. Reese Walsh was good. Very good in return. 14 runs, 208 metres, two line breaks, two line break assists to try assists, four tackle breaks. And a cheeky backflip, which forced him to have vertigo. <laughs> Katoni Staggs even joined in on the fun. With a cheeky backflip of his own. Yeah, for Brisbane gymnasts. Uh, on the gymnastics scale, what are we giving it out of 10? I'd give Little Reese one a solid 8. I think it mm-hmm. was a good extension. Uh, but Katoni, he only gets a 5. It was too short. Too short and he stumbled the landing. Yeah. Not good enough. But I really thought after Katoni got bathed on that first try, it was a really incredible fight back from him. He did really well. Like 16 runs, 171 metres, three line breaks, try assist, two tries of his own. In a, What was an amazing display from him in that situation? That was exactly yeah. what they needed in that yeah. moment. Adam Reynolds, we could sit here and lax lyrical, but there was no try assist or line break assist. There was just that try, six goals, that real calming vibe, really good. Yeah, exactly. And that's really just what Reynolds has brought to the Broncos to do. Uh, Payne Haas, good. Carragher, good. Corey Jensen. Now, considering you are starting... A prop that ran nine times for 70 metres. And Corey Jensen comes on and runs 15 times for 139 metres. You get my drift? I think I've gotten your drift from round one on that regards, AJ. (laughs) Okay, Martin Tapa'u. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this one. What was he thinking, mate? <laughs> oh, man. Just absolutely boneheaded play that. Like, I don't think there's any defence for it, really. It was it straight into the sternum, mate. <laughs> On a bloke that's just come back off. from one. He is very lucky he didn't get sent off. Because... You couldn't even hide the fact that there was no intent. Like, he, he was doing that from the back fence. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what was going through his head there. But the good, the good news is that when they play, like, when he came back from the sin bin, that play resulted in the Rabbitohs giving away a cheap penalty as well. So, he, he did good. Mm-hmm. He did very good. Anything else on this game, Friendo Monday, before we move on to Super Saturday? Uh, I'll just say for all the South fans that have obviously turned around and said that, you know, the big reason Brisbane won this game was because South didn't have Latrell. Let's just remind them that Brisbane had no Corey Oates, no Thomas Flegler, no um, Jordan Rickey, and no Brendan Piakura. I love how Piakura is quickly... Moved up that top spot into the 17, let me tell you. Good stuff, though. Uh, Super Saturday. Roosters 36, Titans 18. And I had to pinch myself to believe 
that the Roosters had scored 30 points in the first half of the game. Like, I couldn't believe it, let me tell you. I could not believe it. But let's just calm down. Let's just calm down. It's all season. Let's just calm the horses here. Whilst it was very relieving to see, I'm a little bit annoyed with the second half, and I'm a little bit annoyed at Billy Smith. Billy, you robbed us of Daniel Tupo breaking the record. You robbed us of the greatest try-scoring celebration of the season with bloody JWH and CY Wong picking him up on the throne. It was like Vic Star 1-2-3 in those crossbar challenges. Him on the throne. That's an excellent analogy, Jesus. <laughs> it was amazing. And we was it, it might be, but come on, it was good. It was very yeah, good. And yeah. also what I did like on the try July front, we had Tedesco doing the worm. We had Lindsay Collins do the WWE show me your face. <laughs> we had Fletcher Baker do the fatty board and what's doing in the that's gold. <laughs> and we had Nat Butcher turn into an offensive lineman. Yeah, it's good to see the Roosters getting around trial July because I, I had them as one of the teams that really wouldn't be too overly participants. So I think our tune changed. We normally get one game a year to go bananas. But this year, I think because of the fun being for Daniel Anderson, we've just been given the green light to go bananas. Yeah, which is an excellent thing. Uh, Lindsay Collins, great. Jared, outstanding. Who said that this bloke's old? 20 runs, 210 metres. But again, I say it's only the Titans... Because they played Brandon Smith back in the form. How good did he look? <laughs> he was solid. Very impressive. This is the 70-plus minute hooker I remember us buying. <laughs> but also saying that, the Titans did play Fletcher Baker into form and let him score. <laughs> However, t- slapped off a little bit in the second half. Uh, again, I want apologies about Jay Tedesco sent to me by Monday. Please and thank you. And so I let you even ran for over 200 metres, Rish. <laughs> oh, not bad. I'm sure he'll be doing a lot of more running um, when he gets to the Waratahs as well. So, you know, good, good to get practice. Yeah, he will be getting some practice too. But for the Titans, um, does Tino make that big of a difference? I think from the leadership point of view, yeah, he does. Yeah, but at the same time, though, there's Sammy Verrills there, who they brought to be a leader. Fodawake has been around the joint long enough to lead, and he's the only one that can really be excused. 19 runs, 197 metres. Kieran Foran is a leader. AJ Brimsonback's a leader. Uh, Tanner Boyd, he's been the halfback for long enough. He was hooked after an hour, and the Titans are playing better footy. And considering the comments that Tanner Boyd's manager was making this week about the pursuit of Ben Hunt and how Tanner Boyd's a capable player already. I think that's almost contention for our low cow of the week if we weren't having some... It's, it's very close, isn't it? Like, you know, it's one thing to be confident in your clients and their skills. It's another thing entirely to be going out to the top like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, we do have some good news for the Titans. The Khaleesi Haas run count this week. Last week he had one run for seven metres. Jimmy Lenahan's done his homework. This week he had nine runs for 75 metres. <laughs> Still not the best efficiency, but you'll take the increased volume any day of the week, surely. Hey, at least be glad that Khaleesi actually did something. <laughs> We take the good with the bad here on the league scene, my Fernando Mundo. Very much so. But anyway, the Roosters next week take on the Broncos at Fraggle Rock. 
i.e. the Gabba. In what will be an interesting one. We haven't had our first league scene championship this year yet. Mm. One of us will be happy. Yeah. One of us will be a loser. There's a lot more riding on it from the Roosters' perspective than from Broncos' perspective. The Roosters, this to show. I don't know if it's too late for them to make finals run. We probably won't know that for another three, four weeks. But if they want to show that they can and they can still run it with the big boys, they have to win this game. But from a Broncos' point of view, we beat you guys, and it's just like, oh, well, another team. We just beat South last week. Just you know, yeah. The Roosters are one win outside the eight, but I like to say we're two wins outside the eight because we've got to factor in, of course, not only the differential, but Parramatta and South to get to have their third bye. Yeah. So you need to get, so I you need to get that extra extra banker win. Yeah, hundred percent. Anything else on Titan and Roosters? Uh, no, I think we're pretty much good to go. Oh, good. Moving on. Upset of the week. Newcastle 26, Melbourne 18. And it looked ominous early in this one. Nick Meany picking up the scraps in the second minute, followed by a soft barge over try to Trent Loyero. And it was 12 nil early. And there was a bit of panic setting in. But the Newcastle Knights held their own. They scored two tries before Tarek Sims was simmed in for a high tackle on Jackson Hastings. The Knights bagged two tries before half time. And it was nearly all over Red Rover, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just the onslaught from Newcastle. Like, geez, I haven't seen that from the Knights, you know, ever, really. Rare bit of adversity under O'Brien. Exactly. They, well, look, obviously, Paul Crows and the Knights, they saw an opportunity and they took advantage of it. Uh, You know, you can only play who's in front of you. And when the team in front of you only has 12 players, that's a bonus. Um, but, yes, the Storm, man. Jeez, let's talk about them for a sec. Uh, you said, you said, are there panic stations in Redford? Are there panic stations in Melbourne? I think a lot is riding on one uh, Pappenhausen to return. But even then, I don't think it saves them at this point. They looked flat in the middle. Their edges, apart from, I mean, Loyero's not a first-grade edge. I've said it for a while. I just don't think he's an 80-minute edge player. I think you get more production out of an Alec McDonald, out of a Tarek Sims even on the edge. I mean, he won't be there for the foreseeable couple of weeks, but you get more production from those guys. They need to start getting more production out of their middle. They need to get more production out of their outside backs out of yardage. Warbrick only ran the ball 10 times for 67 metres. Remus Smith before his injury, six runs, 69 metres. Olam, the rare exception. Coates, 11 for 71. Yeah, well, speaking of that, now that we've seen enough to get a sample size, Asava Salabona on the net versus in the middle, what do you think? I think he works better in the middle. I think the way that Melbourne are using him, yes, he can be a danger there. But at the same time, you look at that game that he shone, it was against Cronulla that, I think, was that the game Moyler missed 10 tackles? I think so, yeah. And obviously, Case in Cronulla, point. Obviously, Cronulla's a team that struggles with their edges a lot. Yeah, 100%, my friend. Uh, but, look, Christian Welsh's comments nearly came back to bite, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he took it like a champ, though. He did. He, he did cop it on Twitter, but Twitter, he did an excellent job biting back on Twitter. But more concerningly and alarmingly for me, Cam Munster was relatively contained, and this was Newcastle we're talking about. Yeah. Is there a bit of origin hangover? Still suffering from tectonitis. Um, <laughs> it's, it's tough because. Munster's not immune to having these bad deaths, that's for sure. Uh, he does have them from time to time. The question's going to be, you know, how does he go next game? How does he go the game after? Yeah, and I think Jerome Hughes also needs to step up here as well. Uh, but Nick Meaney's doing enough for me. I've been really impressed with Nick Meaney this season. 
So it'll be intriguing to see how that sort of plays out with Pappenhausen quickly coming back in from injury. But I still think that he'll end up playing for the sunny coast before getting a gig back in first grade. That's just the way I see it. Do you think it's more likely that he leaves Melbourne at the end of the season to get a consistent first round opportunity elsewhere? Pappenhausen or Meany? No, Meany, Meany. No. I still think at worst he's a... He's, he's in the side. I think he's easily a, even a centre option over Remus. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I, I just think you've got to have him in the team somewhere. Like, you can't just not play him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, if he wants to go play fullback, he has to go to another team. Yeah, I think we're we're proving now how important Pappenhausen is to the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Meany, yeah, at the start of the season, Meany's form was like it might be tough for Pappenhausen to get straight back in, but mm-hmm. now it's completely reversed. So I think Meany does have to look for opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Daniel Saifidi only lasting fifteen minutes before leaving the game injured, I believe. Uh, Greg Marju outstanding. Uh, Ponga amazing. Dom Young even better. The, I'm so looking forward to watching him next year. Uh, Tyson Frizzell good. Uh, Matt Croker has been really impressive off the bench this year. And what you're also getting is, um, uh, um, 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 um. um uh, who was I going to say? Even Lockie Fitzgibbon looked somewhat passable as well, let me tell you. But some good signs for the Knights. They're only one point outside the eight, which is bizarre considering the season that they've had, but full credit to them, hey? Yeah, exactly. They're in the hunt. And I think Raw could come back to really help them. Just a little extra cheeky point if they need it. Um... But, yeah, it will be a very interesting time because on the form the Knights are in, they really do have a shot of going far with their last six games, maybe four, five, even six out of six. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch them, that's for sure. It will be fun to watch them, my friend. Final game of Super Saturday, Cowboys 24, Eels 16. Uh... The Tom Dearden show, nice and early, a bit of a show and go. He was causing all sorts of problems. And even Shady Townsend set up a couple of tries down that right-hand side. They were just super dominant in this game. The Cowboys, Parramatta leaving their run far too late. What do you make of the Cowboys and the Eels, my friend? Um, yeah, it, it felt like a game to decide to make up the top eight, didn't it? Because we don't have too many more games between the teams at the bottom half of the eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's sort of like those four-pointers. Um, Four-point games, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, just great performance from the Cowboys. Obviously, Para, like you said, they made that run, but they made it way too late. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the Cowboys just, you know, were able to put their feet up, put it on cruise control, walk away with a excellent win. And a much needed two competition points. Scotty Drinkwater has been continuing this rise this season. Free line breaks, 19 runs, 168 metres, picked up a try, 10 tackle breaks. The dude is just an unsung machine, isn't he? Oh, mate, he is phenomenal. That, that's, that's the simplest way to put it. Nominal. And then you had also Tarlungi, big out of yardage as well. 125 metres, McLean, Hess, Leilua, Tamalolo. A uh, bit of a blow over for the Cowboys, losing Jeremiah Nene. Reese's headphones just passed on us, so you're stuck with AJ for the remainder of the program. So for the Cowboys, Jeremiah Nene had to leave just after half time with a. Sh- uh, an apparent shoulder injury. Uh, but some good signs, I thought, from the edge back row, Fine Fuyaki. Uh, 
Griffin Neem, a lot of work in limited minutes. He only played the 19 minutes. Eight runs, 76 metres, 23 post contact. Uh, Sammy Valme picking up two tries. A lot of conjecture around the shoulder contact to the head of Mitchell Moses. I'll just read you a quote from Todd Payton. I mean, I mean, I guess Todd Payton's quotes on these matters have to be taken with an absolute pinch of salt. He said he thought it was the wrong call. It definitely wasn't forceful contact in the head because of the speed that Val was coming in, coming in and the speed that Mitch was coming in. If that's forceful contact to the head, he's going to hospital or he's getting a HIA assessment. I thought it was good contact and Whiplash made it worse than it was. And it was great refereeing by Mitch. To the point about Whiplash, yeah, 100%. But at the same time, the point of the shoulder makes contact to the head. That's the point that I think everyone needs to make. Yes, he jammed in and did his job. But there was still forceful contact to the head, mate. And as we have seen, that has been the problem for a long time. For this high tackle crackdown that we've seen in recent times, as it seems to be a lack of consistency from the fan, from the from the top of the admin to the fans about what we should be seeing, and I think that's caused this conjecture here. But for the Cowboys, did and Drinkwater looked outstanding. Townsend as well was pretty solid. Uh, a couple of late tries in the end, but I thought the game was won for the Eels. Why with Mike Acevo being out? I just, I'm just puzzled at why you think Wanga Blake is the next best option. <laughs> like, I'm just puzzled. Like, I sit here every week and be so annoyed if that happened to my team. Like, Wanga Blake is barely park football eligible. But somehow he gets a saloon passage back to first grade and... He looked very average. He looked, he looked, it was so bad. But Parramatta did have opportunities in the um, attacking third and just didn't take advantage of it. Cartwright, Hopgood, Parlow, outstanding. They're missing RCG. They don't have that next up forward to go with them. Ogden's tried, but I don't think he's the best option. I think Makatoa would have been a viable option in that middle third of the field. Madison tried his heart out off the bench. I thought he was quite impressive. Uh, Mitchell Moses, two tries, two goals. Gaffo, all three try assists. Of course, setting up that pinch of a pass to Sean Russell for their try in the 14th minute of the game. Uh, Reese has been kind enough to send in his thoughts on the match for us. He says that the Eels look solid enough when they got the ball but didn't get it for long periods. The RC honeymoon is clearly over and the team will need Dylan Brown for a finals push, which is true. They get Dylan Brown back from his suspension for his misdemeanors. I think it's the Dragons game. So that will be interesting to see how that pans out. So we'll have to wait and see how that one goes. And as things are progressing go forward, I think we'll just have to see how this Parramatta side develops in the next few weeks. Because if the Parramatta side continue to get better, then they're a chance. If not, then it's a struggle for them. So, well, we'll see how that pans out. But for now, the Cowboys, they progress into seventh position. They go above Parramatta. And it just goes to show you how good that their turnaround has been. In the last few weeks of the year. So we'll just have to wait and see how things fare. On a Sunday footy and it started off with the Pampers. Too good for the Bulldogs. 44 points to 18. When we saw this Canterbury team list. We saw Marnie booked back to the bench because of a flu. But it was really a bizarre one. Uh, Avarillo moved to halfback. Perriman at fullback. Flanagan at hooker. Preston gone with the flu. Uh, their other back rower dropped in Jackson's Albany, it was going to be a rough day for the Docks. And I think for it only to be 44-18, with Cleary coming back in, his milestone game, I think was a really good result for the Docks. I mean, the Dogs still 
were poor. They still conceded eight tries. Uh, they still missed a lot of tackles. Burden missed the most. He missed eight. And then you had Moran missing six. Waddell missing four. Marnie missing four. So still missing a lot in the middle of the field. Marnie only playing 27 minutes. Uh, Cam Serraldo did touch on the Marnie uh, strategy. Where did he say it? Uh, Fox Sports. He said something about strategy with it. Let me have a look. NRL. Here we go. Bizarre Marnie move slammed. So, he said, Ciro spoke to us before the game about being unwell, probably shouldn't play because of the captain and the sheer tenacity of the bloke he wanted to play. Uh, Mick Ennis said he's a little out of form, which is fair, I think he is a bit out of form, but at the same time, Serraldo wanted him to be in a moving role in it around the middle, but I thought he would have gone into nine. That just shows you where things are at at the moment, but again... Bit of a dog afternoon for Canterbury. Uh, Reese has said on the matter the following. When exactly how you think Penrith's second half wasn't good enough, though, especially with the amount of players their best players have gotten, of rest their best players have gotten. Again, Bulldogs show brief flash of being a first-grade side, but ultimately nowhere near enough to lift them off the bottom bit of the ladder. And to that point, Reese is exactly right. Like, Canterbury show signs, but they're not consistent enough for 80. Like, they showed a good sign before the half and at the end of the game, but there's not that consistent team effort. I get they've had a lot of changes, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Alamotti probably had one of his better games in first grade in the attacking phase, defensively, five missed tackles. Gerald Skelton's been a bit of a find on the edge uh, this year. Uh, but I do want to touch on Raymond Vitale Mariner. Starting prop, 51 minutes. Played free, had free runs for 30 metres. Now, we've received some mail in regard to Raymond Fytyla Mariner, and it has brought up a lot of debate on our League Scene Pod Twitter page. And I'll just read to you what we have been told. We've been reliably info- told that Ray Fytyla Manager, Fytyla Mariner, and his manager have complained to Canterbury about the intensity of the training and have also complained about being played at prop and lock rather in the back row. With that as well, the club have regretted making him captain. That's pretty damning. Now, our mail further went on to say that we haven't published, and a bit of an exclusive on the podcast, the following... Now, these rumblings started coming in as early as April. Now, we were further told that Raymond, in April that Raymond was on the outer. Players and staff are, on, are off him, constantly complaining, wanting to play edges instead of middle. He's gone quite soft and not wanting to push through. He wanted to pull out of the Warriors game. This is back in round four, but played on. Serraldo regretting putting him club captain. Now, if this is true, and from our mail, it's reliable enough to suggest it is true, that is alarming about the state of the Bulldogs and your captain saying that, not wanting to put in the hard yards. If that's a reflection of the bloke at the top, you'd hate to be the bloke at the bottom that is doing the hard yards, and you're seeing the captain skateboard with a lack of accountability, that's got to be serious alarm bells. Uh, for Penrith, some wonderful try July celebrations. Brian, so- oh, king of the pops. Tyre Peachy looked great on the centre position. But as I, again, Fisher-Harris pushed through hard. Leota pushed through hard as well. Um, Nathan Cleary, two line break assists, two try assists. Jerome Luai, two try, uh, three try assists, two line break assists. Also... Uh, a lot of talk about him potentially moving wide. We'll put something up about it today. But we're going to put cold water on it because he has just moved in to a new home with his family in Penrith. Ivan Cleary also poured cold water on it saying that he wants to stay in Penrith. So 
I think those rumours will go quickly back to the excavated bin they came from. Final game of the round saw us head out to Shark Park, where Manly 30 were too good for Cronulla 26. Manly led 30-0. That's right, 30-0. They were absolutely ruthless in the first half, putting in some dominating displays of ruthless attacking rugby league, absolutely tearing the Sharks' new-look left-hand edge apart and to smithereens, let me tell you. Like, Trindle, Tracy, Bulatalo, uh, the back rower as well. Oh, not so much the back rower, for Jesse Colhoun. Definitely a rare uh, good thing for the Sharks today. But Tracy five misses, Mulatalo three misses. Trindle defensively okay, only the three misses, but still, good signs there. For Manly, because Saab was able to tear them apart, Kohler tore them apart. A couple of lucky tries off kicks. I thought uh, Croker and Olukawatu's tries were very lucky and a bit fortuitous against the run of play. Cronulla start to work their way back in with a little bit. Uh is trying the 44th minute off a wonderful short hole. Effectively sealed the game, I thought, at 30-0. But to Cronulla's credit, they did hang in the contest. They did score three tries in four minutes to get the game at 30-26. And that was some heart attacks. If Will Kennedy throws that pass down a little bit wider, then they potentially complete the biggest comeback in NRL history. It was 30-0, potentially to 32-30 in what would have been a bizarre old game, let me tell you right now. However, let's look at this a bit more logically for Manly. Garrick, 17 runs, 221 metres. Saab had his one of his better games in the top grade. Um, elsewhere... Schuster, a try assist, DC, two try assist. Lucky Croak is getting better too. A 40-20, really good signs in and around the ruck. Uh, Matt Lodge was good in the middle. They did lose Taniela Paseka early to a knee injury. They also lost uh, someone else. They also lost, who did they lose? Somebody went off in the second half. I'm just trying to clog my memory back. Uh, Gerbo went off for a HIA. Uh, or somebody, I swear there was somebody else. I must have just had it completely go against my mind. Did Alaya come back? No, Alaya didn't come back. But apart from that, there was some really determined efforts for Manly in the middle of the park, and they were able to escape with the two points. Kepi was good. Lodge was good in that middle third for them. Uh, for the Sharks, don't let that comeback deter you from what was a shambolic first half. It was just abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. Sharks aren't black track bullies anymore. They have to be downhill. A woeful opening 60 does not just go for the last 20 and how bad they start at the game. Uh, let's just take a look at some stats. 80% completion rate. Discipline was a main one. And even though they somehow won the penalty count at 11-9, their first half discipline was appalling. Uh... Errors, I think they made 10 errors, 26 missed tackles, 20 ineffective. They've got to wrap up the ball in that situation. Um, Reese went on to say for Manly as well that Manly had an, almost had an elite Seabold moment and they just about got away with it. Of the teams in the hunt, he feels it's safe to imply that these are the least current likely teams that are going to make the eight. And I hate to agree with Reese at the best of times, but... Souths are only going to get better. Newcastle seem to be on the improve. The Roosters seem to be on the improve as well. I tend to agree with that statement. For Cronulla, I just don't know where they go from here. I just think that at the same time, that last sort of 10 minutes is going to be enough for a lot of people just to mask over the problems here. That being said, Jesse Colhoun outstanding on the edge. They need to figure out more ways to get Royce Hunt and Tom Hazelton involved in more impact roles. Uh, I just think that they need to find a way to get them involved in and around the rucks a little bit more. McInnes, big off the bench tonight. I thought he was outstanding off the bench. Good impact from him. Uh, Nico, two line break assists, two try assists. And he did give a spray to referee Peter Goff um, for a forward pass. 
Uh, but very, very interesting there. Interesting to see if he gets a charge, too. Uh, Fitzgibbon says he would take a while if he had to, to discuss the hard calls his team were on the end on. He um, pointed to the Nico high-end strip. He said he thought it might have been Nico when he stumbled and stuck a leg out for back. I didn't think there was anything in that. Uh, he had a go at the referee as well. He said the combination needs more work. Everyone will be quick to tell us we are out of it, so it'll be a good challenge. And again, be an interesting challenge to see if Cronulla can hang on to what they have put themselves in this hole, I guess as such. It'll be very interesting to see how we get, how Cronulla go in the next few weeks. It will be very intriguing to see. So look at the ladder at the conclusion of round 21. Penrith on top on 32 from Brisbane. The Warriors, Storm and Raiders on 28 in that order. Rounding out the 8, you've got the Sharks and the Cowboys. Parramatta on 24 points and inside the 8. Outside the 8 on 4 and again. Souths on 29. Newcastle, Manly on 23 points. Roosters and Dolphins on 22. Titans on 20. Teams considered outside a chance of making the 8 are the Dragons and the Bulldogs on 16. Meanwhile, the Tigers are in last position on 12 points. A look at Supercoach this week. Cheesy for the W picked up 1,258 points. Reese is picking up 1,211. He says he's on the way up, but I still pulled off the head-to-head -head victory. Uh, winners this week, Dylan, Billy, Haley, Will, Reese, Dorian, Jacob, Anthony, Maxim, and Michael. This week's top scorer, as things stand, a bit of a low week for scoring, but mother of an effer, Michael, is this week's top scorer with 12 190. Big congratulations to him. Of course, updates are pending. Results might change tomorrow, so definitely make sure to check. As far as my team's concerned, I'm going to be making a change this week. I am going to be selling Herbie Farmworth or an outside back, pending on price rise and price decreases, and I will be making, and yes, Farmworth is going to be hitting his break even, which is good. Hopefully, if the prices work out for me, I'm going to go to Brian. So, oh, just have to wait and see on that front. And hopefully, it works out for me. Looking ahead to the lower grade report, we're going to kick off this week with the NRLW. Uh, Titans 16, Cowboys 6. Uh, Ivania Pellini, definitely the star. In this one, 246 metres, broke the NRLW tackle break record with 16. For the Cowboys, Shania Power was their star. Emma Mandelman making history, kicking off the NRLW with her first try and the first try for the club. Uh, Shania Power also strong, as well as their English recruit, Francesca Goldforp. Newcastle, 32. Dragons, 16. Uh, the Knights are just back in business, aren't they? Let me tell you, Tamika Upton, 239 metres at the back. Uh, Jesse Southwell, good as well. Um, Caitlin Moran, two try assists. Uh, Olivia Higgins, strong. Taylor Predabon, strong. I just think that dislocated finger of hers definitely went back the wrong way. Uh, Rima Butler and Yasmin Clydesdale, very strong as well. Clydesdale picking up a try. Kayla Romanuk, also outstanding. Uh, top tackler was uh, Nina Maynard with 24. For the Dragons, Tegan Berry ran like the Hawk, picking up two tries, 269 metres. Uh, Angelina tikalanga Kato was the pick of the forwards. Uh, young star Tyler Nathan Wong picked up a try and kicked a goal as well for them. Top tackler was uh, Sarah Southier with 34. Roosters 36, Broncos 18. Ashley Werner, the bobsled turned rugby league star, was sent off on an allegation of biting. She has been referred to the judiciary uh, for that charge. Uh, Millie Boyle, Jess Surgis, Corbin Baxter, all the stars shining for the Roosters. Tams and Gray picked up a double. Mele Hufanga continued her strong World Cup form with a 167-run game. Ali Brigginshaw also picked up a try in a strong effort. West Tigers 36, Eels 8, Shakia Wickfield picked up a double. Leanne Tufunga a, a double as well by Betty Walsh. Rakia Horn in what was a ruthless display for the Tigers. Uh, Sarah Togatuki impressed, but my eyes were peeled on Young Ebony Pryor, the hooker. I thought she was really outstanding. Picked her moments, went to run in what was a solid performance, and also a rock of steel in defense. Their top tackler was Eliza Salata. And a lot of people tipped the Tigers be going a bit downwards this year, but I had the Tigers always looking good. Uh, Leanne Tafunga was strong. 
Bobetti Walsh is outstanding. The question is just a week in, week out grind of the NRLW for this Tigers side. For the Eels, they were missing their halfback, Rachel Pearson, their leading prop, Elsie Albert. Kenny Cherrington tried her heart out. Zali Faye, the young winger, was also outstanding, along with Abby Church at the back. Uh, defense, though, an issue. They missed 47 tackles today. Kenny Cherrington leading the way with 31 made tackles. And the last of the battle of the new team, Sharks 28, Raiders 14. Quincy Dodd picked up a double in her first outing with her new club in a very strong performance from the Sharks. Ellie Johnston running for 162 metres and picked up a try. Emma Tonegado making history for the uh, Sharks, picking up their first try. The first try scorer for the Tigers was also Bertie Walsh. Uh, Tiana Petitani strong, carrying the football. Jada Taylor, impressive at the back. Uh, Herata Butler, very strong as well. Uh, for the Raiders, they're nothing to be too disheartened about here. There were some good signs here. Madison Bartlett running for just under 150 metres. Zahara Tamara really dictating terms. Uh, the young centre, Mackenzie Wiki, had a strong NRLW debut. Madison Bartlett continued her try scoring ways with two tries. Uh, Samima Taufer led the way up front. Uh, Emma Barnes was strong as well with Grace Kemp. So some good signs here for the Raiders, even though they picked up the loss today. Looking at the ladder of the NRLW at the conclusion of round one, the Tigers on top, followed by, yep, you heard that right, the Tigers on top, Roosters, Knights, Sharks, Titans, then it's the Cowboys, Raiders, Dragons, Broncos, and Parramatta. Just the one lower grade report this week to do with the knock-on effect, New South Wales Cup. Uh, Warriors 21, Raiders 20. The Raiders scored three tries in 11 minutes before allowing the Warriors back in the game with uh, three tries in the, uh, two tries in the second half and a roller bog with Bill goal in the last minute of play to seal victory. Uh, some key stats to watch. Hopper made 55 tackles. Uh, Brad Morkos ran for 199 metres, but 100 of those came off an intercept. Chevy Stewart was strong, 135 metres. Trey Mooney and Peter Holler impressive up front. And Hohepapuru, as I mentioned, was quite strong too. For the Warriors, Kalani Gowing led the way in both attack and defence. 181 metres and 38 made tackles. Tane to a picky, quite strong at the back. And Ronald Volkman led the way with a good Vic, uh, field goal and strong general play. Blacktown Workers 28, Newtown 12. A disappointing day for the Jets on their food truck day. It was a massive day out of Henson Park yesterday. Some loyal listeners of the show. Hayley, you were out there. I saw you had an absolute massive weekend here at Sydney. Yeah, we might have to catch up sometime, let me tell you. A lot of fun that I saw at Henson Park. And I was extremely jealous and I was stuck in the office all day. For the Jets, Tom Rodwell impressed along with the young debutant fullback, Manaya Waitiene. Uh... Tuku Hatapua and Sam Healy looked good as well, but apart from that, it was a really quiet day for the Jets. Blacktown, uh, KO Weeks ran for just over 200 metres. Uh, Bullimore, Fulton, Fine Sipley, all impressed, as well as Austin Diaz. The Vega Bus, also outstanding, running for just over 200 metres. Norths 20, uh, Dragons 26. The Dragons led this game 26 to 10. They blew it. In the second half, Junior Pauga came back, picked up a double. Tui Katoa picked up a try in the 78th minute to seal victory. Uh, some individual stats to come out of this one as far as some Roosters players. Uh, Eliel Zakem, Docker Clay, Kurt DeLui all looked good. Also, Pauga and Katoa were quite impressive. Uh, Katoa running for just over 230 metres. For the Dragons, uh, Max Fiege impressed. Paul Turner set up two tries. Uh, Ryan Couchman, very impressive. Uh, also, Zane Musgrove and Jaden Hunt have been told they can leave next year. A bit quiet performances for them. Uh, Pampers 40, Bulldogs 16. Bulldogs played a relatively young Jersey Flex side today, while Penrith practically played at full strength. Eddie Blacker was simbing in the 77th minute of play. Uh, Tom Jenkins picked up a try. Jesse McLean picked up a try. A double for Jack Cole. Jamin Salmon picked up a try late. Those no stats for the next two games as well. Uh, Rabbits, 34. Knights, 16. Uh, Jed Carter picked up a try. A double. Dean Hawkins, Josiah Carapani, Leonard Skelton and Matt French tries. Hawkins kicked five goals. For the Knights, John Tolafawa, Lockie Miller and Sebastian Seward tries. Lockie Miller kicked two goals. No stats for that one yet either. And finally, Eels, 32. Roosters, 16. 
for the Eels, Loizu, Miller, Steven, Murchie. Loizu actually got a double. Yates, Brazel. Ranking kicked four goals. Four of the Roosters. Jade Anderson picked up a double. Jackson Palo picked up a try and two goals. Important game two for young Robert Toyer. His first game back, the Roosters have him on a top 30 deal. And it's important to note that they see him as the next big thing out at centre. Again, a very disjointed side for the Roosters, but unable to taste victory. Looking at the ladder at the conclusion of round 21, Bears on top on 30, a three-point gap from Canterbury and Newtown. They're on 27. The Wires on 25. Panthers, Blacktown, Manly on 24. Canberra 23. St. George Laura 21. West 20. Parramatta 19. Newcastle 18. Roosters consigned to the bottom on 12 and appear destined for the wooden spoon unless things change in the next six weeks or so. On to this week's Lowell Cow of the Week. Moo! Uh, this week I'm going to go to Phil Rothfield. Uh, last week he penned an article on James Tedesco's trip to Byron Bay. The bloke has been playing his ass off for three years and deserves a rest. I'm not going to sit here and tolerate your crap, Buzz. And rightly, Robbo rightly gave him a royal serving in the presser. And Buzz had the audacity to put it as his low light of the week. Are you serious? Are you actually serious, Buzz? If anything, you are a low light for the stain of the game that you have created, mate. Like, we're all about positivity and providing a voice to people in the game. And somehow you've kept your job for so long. Like, seriously, it's, it is a stain on good journalism in this country. Like, I've had enough of it. Uh, Reese's Lol Cow this week goes to the Daniel Ricardo haters. Now, Daniel Ricardo has joined Alpha Tower. We touched on this last week. However, uh, a lot of people expected him to qualify dead last. Uh, he got out of Q1 and he qualified 13th. So, well done, Danny. Uh, and hopefully, you can get in the points tonight in Hungary. But anyway, that'll wrap us up. We had a bit of apologies about the bit of chunky formatting today. Reese's headphones dying out of his control, but we have to keep on moving, ladies and gentlemen. My name is AJ. Reese sends his condolences. We'll catch you next week for our look at round 22 and the big duel between my Roosters and his Broncos. We'll see you next week, everyone.